Welcome to the First Baptist Cadillac podcast. First Baptist Cadillac is a growing intergenerational family of faith whose mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us each week as we engage God's word together. We would love to hear from you. Please contact us at firstbaptistcadillac.org or text WELCOME to 231-261-1112. We welcome you today. We've been celebrating our kids with all that was accomplished during our Anchored VBS program. Have you had fun so far? Have you learned something so far? Yeah, it's just... uh, it's amazing how when you come back to the, the foundational truths, you know, when you really focus on the basics, it's like, I needed that. I needed that. And I think that's going to kind of be the nature of the sermon today as well. And so I, too, just want to thank Shelly and for all of the crew and all the hard work that went into the last several days. It was, it was a great joy to be a part of it. And as we've already uh, been exposed, our theme verse was 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34. It says, Oh, give Thanks. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast, his faithful love endures forever. And so we're going to have a little VBS feel in here this morning. So would you recite that with me just as it is on the screen? All right, let's recite it together. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Now that's probably a familiar verse to you, right? That's one of those you've got tucked away and you've known for quite some time. And it is in fact a beautiful verse. But do you know the story? Do you know the story behind 1 Chronicles 16 through 34? Because it's important. It shows us and helps us even more fully appreciate the truth of 1 Chronicles 16.34, knowing the story. So we're going to walk through that together today. And in honor of this being kind of a special kids service, this part of the sermon is going to have a certain flannel graph feel to it. You all remember flannel graph? Right? Probably in some musty church basement somewhere. You were sitting on like a little hard wooden or metal chair and you had uh, some very faithful teacher who was letting you put felt figures on a felt board. And, you know, we have a lot of different things with technology now, but I think it's hard to beat putting those felt figures on that felt board. I mean, flannel graph cannot be beat. It's always effective. And so our flannel graph story for First Chronicles 16.34, it begins today when a man named David was anointed to be king over Israel. And for the first seven and a half years of his reign, um, he ruled from a place called Hebron. But all the while, his eyes were to the north. I don't know about you. I like to look at that real estate app on a regular basis. Does anybody else do that just to kind of see what's going on? And, you know, I like where I live. I like the house I'm in. But it's always just kind of interesting to kind of see what else is out there. I kind of think that's what was going on here with David. His eyes were on a property to the north known as Jebus. And it was later known as Jerusalem. Jebus was occupied by a a people known as the Jebusites, a people who had supreme confidence in their man-made fortress. And here's our first point of application this morning. Be very careful when you put your faith in things that are man-made because ultimately they will crumble. In fact, they were so confident in their defenses that they said that even their blind and their lame would be able to drive away anyone who would come to attack. That's just how confident they were in their man-made fortress. Well, David accepted that challenge, and with the Lord's help, the armies of David captured Jebus, renaming it the City of 
David. Not that David had an ego problem or anything, but he was the king after all, so that was all right. Today we know it as Jerusalem. And like any new homeowner, David set out to improve his property. And so he did some home improvement, and he reached out to a guy named Hiram, who was the king of Tyre. And Hiram had a very special resource in his land, and they were cedar logs. And he sent craftsmen with these cedar logs to build a new palace for David in Jerusalem. And as Jerusalem became Israel's political center, David also desired that it become their worship center. And so he sent for this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. Now, you all should be very, very familiar with the Ark of the Covenant by now, right? Because in our study of the tabernacle, you remember that the Ark was a very special box. It was located in the holiest place of the tabernacle, and that box represented the very presence of God. And David, being a man after God's own heart, who, who had spent many, many hours and days in God's presence, writing psalms and communing with God, um, he recognized the importance that this ark, which represented God's presence, be with him in his capital city of Jerusalem. But for the past 20 years, the ark had actually been in a place called Kiriath-Jerim. And there's a whole another story behind that. We'll save that for a different day. But it was at the house of a man named Abinadab. And so all Israel assembled at Kiriath-Jerim at the house of Abinadab, and they formed a great caravan to transport the ark to its new home. Now, God had previously given clear instructions for how that ark was to be transported. It was to be carried only by the Levites and only with special poles with great reverence. But in this particular instance, it was moved by means of oxen pulling a cart, and it was not treated carefully with the reverence it deserved. And you can predict probably what happened at this point. As the ark was being transported, the oxen stumbled, and a well-meaning man, I believe named Uzzah, reached out to steady the ark, which resulted in Uzzah being struck down by God, which seems harsh, but it was the consequence of God's people not being obedient to God's instructions and not treating the ark with the reverence that it deserved. It's a lesson that Israel would never forget. And it, it hit David hard when this man Uzzah was struck down for the fact that God was not treated with reverence and he was not treated with obedience. Well, in light of the tragedy, the ark never made it to Jerusalem, which was a very sad thing. And instead, it was taken to the home of a man named Obed-Edom and gave David an opportunity to reflect. And to, he, he was angry and he was sad. He was hurt. But I think he was also greatly convicted. But the ark stayed at the home of Obed-Edom for the next three months. And guess what? During this time, the home of Obed-Edom was blessed abundantly. And here's another life lesson for us in this story. Wherever the presence of the Lord is welcomed, there is abundant blessing. Not in a, a, a superstitious kind of way, like a rabbit's foot. That's not what the ark was all about. But the ark was about God's people surrendering themselves to the God of the ark and being obedient to his calling on their lives. And when that happens, where the presence of the Lord is welcomed by his people with surrender and with obedience, there is abundant blessing. So it was with Obed-Edom, and so, church, it will be for us. 
Well, once the shock of Uzzah's death had worn off, David, the man after God's own heart, he decided once again it was time to bring the ark to Jerusalem, except this time, guess what? The ark was treated with the reverence that God deserved. And this time the Israelites practiced obedience, allowing only the Levites to carry it on poles. And they were so serious about it this time that every six steps, sacrifices were offered to God. So this would have been a very, very slow-moving caravan. All right, you better have packed a lunch that day because it was going to take you a long time to get from the home of Obed-Edom to Jerusalem. And musicians played joyful music with lyres and harps and cymbals. It was one big caravan of praise, a, a beautiful traveling worship service. I'm sure it got the attention of all the people in the surrounding lands. Whoa, what's going on? What's that noise? What's that singing that we hear, this playing of instruments? It was the Israelites worshiping God as they brought his presence with them to Jerusalem. And an important element of that worship service was that which was written in 1 Chronicles 16, verses 8 through 36, which contains our VBS theme verse. You see, 1 Chronicles 16, 8 through 36, it's actually a special psalm of thanksgiving, which was commissioned by King David to be sung as worship on the occasion of the Ark of the Covenant entering Jerusalem. So you may be wondering, it's like, well, hey, is there part of this great caravan of worship taking the ark with them um, to Jerusalem? What are they singing? What song are they singing? And this is it. This is the song that they sing. And so 1 Chronicles 16, 34, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast and love endures forever. This verse is actually the climax of that psalm of worship. All of the verses crescendo to this high point in the psalm. And um, I would like you to do this with me this morning, okay? We're, again, we're going to be kids a little bit today, and we're going to pretend, right? Wasn't that great when we were kids and we could get a, a cardboard box and it was a ship, right? And Pastor Chad got pushed out of the ship several times this week, and I've still got some bruises to show for it. But anyway, pretending. So I want you to pretend with me just for a moment. Would you stand with me? Because I want you to pretend that you yourself are part of this great caravan of worshipers as the ark enters Jerusalem. You're one of them. And so let's give God the praise that he is due. And this is how I'm going to do it. Um, on each slide, there will be two verses, one at the top, one at the bottom in italics. I'm going to read the one at the top. You're going to read the one at the bottom in italics. It's a responsive reading in that way. And then when we get to verse 34, we are going to proclaim it together like we believe it. All right. So here we go. First top, top is me. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever. The word of the king commanded for a thousand 
the covenant that made was made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac. saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. Wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people. Saying, Touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord, he made the heavens. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Tremble before him, all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. And now all together like we mean it. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Thank you. You may be seated and... As you are seated, could we just take a few moments to do exactly what the psalm says to do, which is to give thanks to the Lord. One of the things I love about this congregation are those little seasons of prayer that we share in together. And so let's bow our heads right now. And um, could many of you just lead out in some very simple sentence prayers of thanksgiving and praise to our God for who he is, again, just like we are part of that caravan traveling to Jerusalem with the ark. Let's pray together. Amen. Amen. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. There's just there's something really about the public reading of God's word and the public prayers of God's people. Um, it's a beautiful thing. So now imagine yourself to be part of a different Israelite caravan. Another caravan entering Jerusalem 500 years later. Israelites who are released from Babylonian exile and returning home. All right, so another caravan entering Jerusalem 500 years later, but under very different circumstances. Now, why would I ask you to imagine this? Well, because First and Second Chronicles were written by a man named Ezra, 
at the time of Israel's return from exile. So again, remember our theme verse is from 1 Chronicles 16.34. This was compiled, the history was compiled by Ezra at this setting of Israel's return from exile. And it was a very bittersweet time for Israel. It was sweet because they got to go home. They'd been in essentially um, bondage for this time in Babylon as they were in exile. But now they were free, free to return to Jerusalem. But it was bitter because Jerusalem, the city of David, their once glorious capital, was now in ruins. The wall was gone. The temple was gone. And all that was left was rubble, the remnants of destruction. There there was so much reason for discouragement as they looked around at their once proud city. And so because of this, the the purpose of 1 and 2 Chronicles was to encourage the Israelites by reminding them that in spite of their present circumstances, guess what? God is good and faithful. And, and so the historical account of the ark entering Jerusalem here in First Chronicles, compiled by Ezra, written down, and the accompanying psalm of thanksgiving, it would have been just what these discouraged Israelites needed at that particular time. And it may be just what you need today. Perhaps you too are in a time, a season of discouragement and need to be reminded that in spite of your present circumstances, God is good and faithful. Maybe just like Jerusalem after the exile, your life seems to be in ruins and surrounded by debris and rubble with the appearance that your best days are behind you and there's very little hope in front of you. And God knew, God knew that these returning exiles would feel this way and he knew that you might feel this way. And so the psalm contains a very simple prayer in verse 35. We stopped in verse 34, but it goes on for a couple more verses. And in verse 35, there's a simple prayer, a simple plea for discouraged pilgrims, discouraged disciples, and it's a plea to God that says, Save us, O God. O God of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory In your praise. It doesn't get much simpler than that, right? Save us. It's two words. It's a two word prayer. Save us. And I believe that God loves these very simple yet heartfelt prayers. The simpler, the better. Um, Even Jesus taught that. When you pray, don't get caught up in lots of fancy words. Keep it simple, keep it secret, and pray it from the heart. What could be more simple than save us, O God? And maybe this morning, the very simple prayer needed for you is save me. Oh, God. And you might say, Chad, how do I know that God will answer or that he even cares? How do I know that God will come through when I pray such a prayer? And that's where the, today's verse comes into play, that, that anchored theme verse. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Why do we know that God will answer? Because his steadfast love endures forever. His goodness and love that were fully on display when... Jesus died in our place on an old rugged cross, just as we sang this morning, fulfilling John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he so loved you, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, 
but have eternal life. You see, the, the question of God's goodness was ultimately settled on that place called Golgotha, the place of the skull, on that hill far away where that old rugged cross stood. That settled the question of God's goodness once and for all. God is good and loving, and he proved it by sending his son because of his great love for us. And then it says in Romans 8, 32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God has already given you his best, he's not going to withhold the other stuff. God is eager to give. He is a gracious and loving God. And so when we pray that prayer, oh God, save me in my present circumstance, he will answer Here's what I love about 1 Chronicles 16, 8 through 36. It covers the full range of human experience, doesn't it? It covers the highs of that caravan that was entering Jerusalem with the ark, and they were celebrating, and they were excited about the future and all that was in store, but it also covers the low of the caravan of Israelites who were grieving the condition of Jerusalem after the exile. And in both cases, Reminding us of the truth that God is good, he is faithful, he is loving no matter what our present circumstances may appear. Another caravan to come, and this is how I love it tying in with Revelation. There have been a couple other ties as well, but this time there's a future caravan coming that enters a new Jerusalem. So we've seen a caravan with the ark with David. We've seen a caravan entering Jerusalem after the Babylonian exile. Now we're speaking of a future caravan that will enter a new Jerusalem. And that caravan will worship God like never before. That worship will eclipse even when David danced before the Lord with all his might. Listen to Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, a passage we covered long ago. But it says, To the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. And then in Revelation chapter 21, verse 2, it says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be them as their God. That was really David's heart, wasn't it, in bringing the ark to Jerusalem. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Can you imagine what that day is going to be like? When we caravan together to the new Jerusalem, singing songs of thanksgiving and worship. I think it's very possible maybe the, 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 the first Chronicles 16, 8 through 36 passage that we've been looking at today, that may be on the, on the list. That may be on the set list for the worship as we enter the new Jerusalem. The question I want to end with today and ask you is this. Will you be a part of the caravan to the new Jerusalem? And all that was just promised to us about what that destination will be like. The verse in Romans or Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, it said that that promise is for the one who conquers. 
which ultimately refers to those who belong to the conqueror, Jesus Christ, the one who has conquered sin and death and hell. And so the very simple question this morning is this, do you belong to the conqueror? Are you his? Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you trusted in him alone for the forgiveness of your sins and surrendered your life to him? For those who belong to him, there is this promise of the new Jerusalem and the opportunity to be a part of that great caravan that worships and celebrates the presence of our God in our midst. Until then, we have a job to do, don't we? And that is to give him the thanksgiving and the praise that he is due right here, right now. Because whether it's entering Jerusalem on a high point, entering Jerusalem on a low point, or wherever you find yourself today, God is the same. And he is worthy of our praise. So would you bow your heads with me? Father, there is so much turmoil and change in our world, and it's hard to keep our heads above water. It's hard to know what to depend upon. It's hard to know who to trust. How thankful we are that we have a solid rock. And as we studied in Vacation Bible School, the very theme is anchored. We have an anchor that no matter how much the winds blow, no matter how big the storm We are secure in Jesus Christ. I pray for anyone who is here this morning that does not have that assurance, who does not know Jesus Christ in that way, who does not know him as Lord and Savior. God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. May they know your great love for them, your desire for them to know you, your desire for them to be saved, a desire and a love that was so great that you sent your son Jesus for them. I pray that every single person within the sound of my voice here in this room and beyond would know you in that way. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.